Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. Hi, this is Chris Waddell. Welcome to Living It with Chris Waddell. I am here with Blake Peterson. Blake actually joined us on our TV show, which is also called Living It, and for the, for the bobsled. So we did a, we actually drove bobsleds back in March. Do you remember what that was like, Blake? <laughs> it was very crazy, like more crazy than what anything else I've ever done felt like. But part of the reason we did, we shot it in Park City, Utah. You grew up in Park City. You live in Park City now. So Park City, Utah, resort place, three ski areas, hosted the Olympics, the Paralympics, has a bobsled run. Why are you back in Park City? Because it has everything I love in it. I love, I've tried to live elsewhere by the ocean, in the city, and I just like to have, I like to have a hike right in my backyard. And I love every kind of recreation it has. And it's, it's my place. I love it. And obviously skiing is a big part of that for you as well, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And ski out my back door. <laughs> ski out your back door. And you competed in skiing as well, right? So half pipe yep. and slope style. Half pipe and slope style. Yeah. I did that for it's probably like six years total yep I was on the world cup uh circuit and I did do tour um and when I wasn't injured it was really great (laughs) what what does skiing mean to you because you probably started as such a little kid right yeah I think I was about two and before that I was always in a backpack on my dad's back (laughs) so I've I've skied before I walked almost but it's everything. It's like, it's my outlet. Uh, it's where I've met all my, my friends, my boyfriend even. So what's the feeling? What's the feeling that you get from skiing? Is there, is there something that you're searching for? Is there something you get that you don't get anywhere else or? Totally. It's, it's adrenaline. And at the same time, it's very like, it's totally calming. It's just, you can be, by yourself and just cruising down the hill or you can be with friends and it's a whole another another experience i mean obviously you've skied for a long time but at the same time do do you ever get that like you're going out with a group and somebody's like oh oh so this so this you know sort of cute young girl is going to join us and like oh so we'll you know do, do you get that where people are looking down <laughs> on you and and if you do what happens well totally it's 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 always fun to be like with a group of dudes and they're all macho and and you can beat them down the mountain and then like fix your hair or <laughs> <laughs> or whatever you, it's just it's it's powerful i guess like how how does it how do you relate to people i mean i think you've i've just i've done a little bit of research on you and and, and you've said that skiing is one of the most important things just i i'm assuming just in terms of how you relate to people or how people relate to themselves and the environment or what do you mean by yeah, it yeah i so when when i have lived 
in other places, I've found that it's it's harder for me to connect with someone who doesn't have that kind of recreation, like especially skiing in common where it's like, I don't know, it means it means that you care for nature and that like you value fun and health and and I think it's just I connect with that more than most things in life. And you can be strong and you can be beautiful at the same time. I mean, the sport too, right? It's an aesthetic, like an artistic oh, yeah. sport too, right? Yeah. And especially what you style. did. Yeah. Yep. Now, as a woman, like when you're skiing out there with all these dudes and stuff like that, what does it mean to be a strong woman? Is that something that you can show on the snow that then applies to our relationship in the rest of the world? That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, I think it's almost a level playing field. It's like I can get down the mountain just as well and just as fast as any guy. And but in the back of my mind, I'm not even thinking that. I'm thinking more that this is fun. I can connect with people. And and I I grew up like the last couple of years. I after I quit skiing um, professionally, I went and coached and we started girls camps. And a lot of that is teaching these little girls. And some of them are like, they come in and they're like fully confident, fully like know what they're doing. And then you have the little ones that just have no idea. And, and it's so powerful to see them like finally get a trick and you can just see like the boost in their confidence. And that's what do you mean by a trick? What like what kind of tricks would they be doing? Um, like a little 360 off of a jump, a spin or, or uh, in slope style, like you have uh, like a rail or box and you have to learn how to slide it sideways, which is very tricky for anyone. And, and so just seeing them like learn how to do it. And definitely there's a lot of falling involved and that alone makes you tough and you can withstand all kinds of things once you figure out how to fall right and pick yourself back up so is that the message that you're teaching them what do you what do you feel like you're teaching these these young girls because obviously you're teaching them proficiency but you're yeah. also sharing from your experience what's the what's the message that you feel like they need to have as they move forward i think it's just that that girls can do anything it's it's it might be a world that's kind of overpowered by men but in the end it's you have just as much input as they do if not more in some cases awesome and and that's something you've been involved in as well is is being an advocate being an advocate for for women and you know because because it, it is a world right i mean this uh, you know there, there there's been the women's movement and and different things like that and and yeah. what does it mean to be a strong woman what what and and why is that not threatening um, or is it threatening for, no i and that's that's what i i really i i like to totally have it not threatening at all it's just like i believe in people and i believe anyone can go from nervous to confident if they if they have the chance to learn something and fail at something and and i guess for being a woman, it's like a lot of times we do have to fail a little bit more and we do have to fall a little bit harder, but 
but that makes us stronger in a lot of cases. So. And what's the, what's the lesson that, that you have to teach as a result of, of, of going that way of, of failing and learning and falling and, and all <laughs> of that? What do, what do you have to teach the rest of the world? How can, how can you make this place better? That's another big question. Jeez. <laughs> you had no idea, right? You thought it was going to no. be all fluffy. This is good. I guess it's just, it's that. It's, it's learning how to pick yourself back up and move forward and, and know that, yeah, you're, you're going to fall again, but you'll have that experience and you'll, and you'll be able to handle it better each time. Yes, exactly. And so let's, let's back up just a little bit and talk a little bit about your athletic career. So you yeah. competed up, up through the world cup. You were, you know, one of the, one of the top athletes in the country, one of the top athletes in the world in both half pipe and slope style. Can you describe what half pipe and slope style are? So, and a lot of the times I always say, I ask people like, do you know who Sean White is? He's a snowboarder, but he's also a skateboarder. And I think a lot of times people know skateboarding a bit more. And in skateboarding, they have the half pipe. And for them, it's wood. And so you start from the top of part of the pipe and dip in, go up to the other side, and then do a trick outside of the half pipe, landing back in it. Right. If that makes sense. Which is really important because if you land on the shelf on the top, it's really yeah, not good at all. Right. But you definitely do that often. So a good it's like it's a little bit like ski racing. Like you you drop in, you just make a giant curve, 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 and then you're at the bottom. And in between that you do your tricks. And then for slope style. And what would the it, tricks, what kind of tricks are you doing? I mean, you're inverted, you're doing spins, you're doing what kind of stuff? One of my runs was, one of my top runs, you jump, you jump into the half pipe, you ski up and out. The first trick was basically a, like a, a backflip with a 180 at the end. So you land back into the half pipe. And then you come up and you do like a 360, which lands you backwards. So then you're going, you're skiing backwards up the next wall to like, it's called an alley-oop, which is just kind of a 180. So when you're going backwards, what do you call it when you're going backwards? We call it going switch. Going switch, exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's sort of, it's getting warm out and I'm forgetting all of these terms. So, <laughs> so you're going, so, so you're doing a backflip with a half twist, then you're doing a full 360, then you're going backwards into the, through the, through the transition up to the next yeah. bank. And then you're doing, doing another alley-oop there. So yeah, like a 180. 180. So you're doing these, so you're doing these tricks and how, how high out of the, out of the, uh, pipe are you getting? Basically, like four feet, five feet is, is about the optimal place to do a trick or to do a spin. Okay. And then, and then the walls of the half pipe are 22 feet. So four to five feet, that means that you're 26 to 27 feet off the ground. Off the ground, yep. When you're going. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so you're really high. And then slope style is a little bit different. What is, what is, what is involved in slope style? So slope style is jumps and kind of of all sizes. And then there's features in between. So there's rails and boxes. And you're just, you're trying to do the best tricks possible and land them as cleanly as possible. And, and have this really is, good style. Exactly. Style is always important. And this is, <laughs> this is taken sort of from skateboarding, right? I mean, it's sort of like when they're mm -hmm. doing their tricks on the street where there are different rails and stairs and yep, exactly. whatever it is. So it's the snowboarding version of that. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and so, so that's what you did. And you started competing when you were little. Mm -hmm. About 12. About 12. Okay. Yeah. And, and kept competing. Why, why compete? Why did you want to compete? At the time, I, I mean, I'd, I'd done gymnastics and I'd done soccer. And so I had that, I had that competitive vibe in me. And looking back, I think I almost would have, I almost would have enjoyed it more if I would have just filmed or, you know, was more lifestyle-y about it. But, um, but I, I loved the competition. I loved feeling nervous like I do now. <laughs> feeling the risk? Feeling, feeling nervous. And, feeling nervous, okay. And, and at the end of your run, like, whew, letting it go and being like, that's what I had. Well, and, and you still feel that to a certain extent, right? I mean, you have not competed in a while, but yeah. I noticed something on Facebook that you said that you need to feel sketchy occasionally. <laughs> Watching, <laughs> watching this little kid going off the ramp during the summer, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was, yeah. I think I really, I feel like it's very important for people to to scare themselves and throughout your life. Like I, I hope that when I'm fifty, sixty, seventy, that I'm still doing things that are scary because I think it keeps me moving forward. It keeps you moving forward, and I'd imagine to a certain extent it keeps you alive too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to sit on your couch the whole your whole life. Right. And so you have to be scared and stretch yourself a little bit. So you've been, so you, you, unfortunately you went, you went professional and then, mm -hmm. and then you had an accident, right? Mm -hmm. About and what happened. So it was, it was basically a few weeks after I pulled out of college to completely dedicate myself to skiing and training and focusing everything on half pipe and slope style. And how um, old were you? I was 19. Okay. And so then uh, we were training for the Dew Tour, which is a, it's a step down from X Games, which was my top at that time because uh, our sport wasn't in the Olympics until the year after I decided to stop skiing. Mm -hmm. And so we were training in the half pipe uh, and I, I went up, I did a 720 and I came down the first time and, and almost caught an edge. And I was like, whew, that was a very close call. And I could feel, again, that was very sketchy. I was like, okay, so I'm going to try it again this time. And my coach was there with me and three of my teammates. And so again, I did the exact same thing. And this time on the takeoff, 
I got totally off balance and I ended up in the air falling, like we said, 26 feet to kind of the flat bottom. And I ended up- So like upside down kind of thing, you were falling? I was, I was, I landed on the top of my neck basically. So it like, like they said, it was like a clamshell. Like when I came down, uh, and so I was laying there and I was like, okay, that felt really bad. And all of my stomach muscles started to like clench and every muscle in me started to clench. And, and I was like, okay, I'm going to stand up. And I tried to stand up and I just flopped right back down onto the snow. And so I was like, oh man, something's bad. And immediately uh, they sent for ski patrol. They came and got me and I think endorphins started hitting me and I was like, oh, like I felt this weird sense of like, I don't know, it was almost like fun or enjoyment. And I, as I was going down the sled, I was like, what is going on? And my body was, I don't know, it was just going kind of haywire on me. And we got down and I ended up fracturing my T12 vertebrae and tearing most of the ligaments in my back. So wow. I went, I went right into surgery um, and they fused my T12 and my T11 vertebrae together with two rods and four screws. And no spinal damage I, though. No spinal damage. They said it, obviously anything you do to your back is, is close to that and extremely scary. Right. No nerve damage, no paralysis though. Okay. No, but, no. but painful, really painful. So painful. The, and the, sur the surgery was, was the worst. It was just everything, everything in my body shut down. And, and basically I, I was on my back laying for three or four months. And then really it was there, that long, three or four months really in the hospital. Mm -hmm. No, not in the hospital. I was in the hospital for like four days. And then after I left, it was just, it was laying on the couch. And then from there I had a walker and I would take small walks down the street. And from there, it just kept building and building. And wow. And did you I have to relearn to walk again or not? Or was it just that somewhat, you were just weak was, and it was weakness and, and I had to just be super steady. I had a giant back brace. Um, like the turtle shell thing where you've got the plastic exactly. turtle shell yeah. with the it Velcro. Like a that, neck support. <laughs> right, exactly. Which is one of the most uncomfortable things, but obviously so, there for a good necessary. reason. Right. Yep. Wow. And so this is when you had decided that you were going to go professional, that this is what yeah. you were going to do. Yeah almost as soon as you decided you were going to drop out of school and go yeah. professional at 19 years old, then you got injured. And so then, yeah. then what happened? What did you do? Well, and so then, and actually when I was in the hospital, um, basically the, the legend of our entire sport, she, she basically pushed girls to be in every competition. Like no matter what the guys, the guys were doing, she wanted, girls to be a part of it too and her name was Sarah Burke and, and Canadian, she, she right? had been yep she's Canadian 
she was training for the same event and at the same time as me um, and and ended up basically doing the same exact trick that I was trying to do. And she fell and ended up having a brain aneurysm. And for like, for she actually, she was in the trauma unit right above me. And oh, so, wow. yeah, it was, it was wild. And I, I like, I could remember even the helicopter coming in from the hospital and they were like, I think that's Sarah Burke. She had a fall today. Like you could then, hear the helicopter coming yeah, in kind of thing. We could see. And someone, and I had a bunch of friends that texted me and they're like, Oh my gosh, the helicopter just left park city and it's Sarah Burke and she's coming your direction basically. And where were you in the hospital? Um, I was at the university of Utah. Oh, you were. Okay. Yeah. So you were training in Brackenridge, but you ended up at the hospital at the U. No, I, I was I was training here at Park City, actually. Oh, you were okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, and then and Sarah ended Savannah. up in the same place. Okay. Yep, exactly, and so and then two weeks later, yeah, she ended up passing away. Wow. So this yeah. is so you see, you see your mortality in her. Really? in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously you're hurt as well. Yeah. And so what did that, what, what did that do to you? Um, it, it shook our whole sport. It was, it was wild to see. And, and actually a lot of the girls that I'd skied with on my team, just, it hit so close to, to home for all of us and them. And, and a lot of them ended up stopping skiing that year um a lot of i ended up coaching with with two of them but in the end it was it was a little it was a little too scary and and for me i was like i want to i want to be able to move when i'm when i'm old and and this was my third big injury so i just you know i was done at that point and it took me a year I didn't, I didn't have any interest in skiing for a year or two after that. And then skiing I started at to, all. I, I skied, but, but there was no big interest in it. So. Wow. And this yeah. is, and that's at a young age too, right? Where you. It was very young. Yeah. It's, it's your connection with, with your passion of your sport. It's your connection with your youth. It's, it's yeah. all of this stuff. And then that's taken away from you. And where did you go from there? What was the, what was the decision? Where did you, what was the direction? What was the passion? What was the connection? Yeah. So after that, um, well, I became obsessed with surfing because I was laying on my back for three months and was so over being in a landlocked state that I, <laughs> too much to my mother's dismay, I became obsessed with surfing. And after I was able to start recreating again, I moved to California and I started learning to surf, which was definitely hard. <laughs> and slightly dangerous too, right? Slightly dangerous. And, and what's funny too is one of the first big days out where I was like, okay, I can, I can feel pretty good now. I ended up stepping on a sea urchin and <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, give me a break. 
<laughs> but in that wow. time, in, in that time, and one thing I've always had with skiing is my love for art. And that's painting, photography, any kind of design. Um, and so when and I you was started that years, as a little kid too, right? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've always loved art. And so it was like whenever I was injured, I could totally focus on art. And, and then when I was also skiing, it was like I could kind of do them simultaneously. And I feel like, especially in my sport, in my sport, art and style and creativity has a ton to do with skiing. Right. So it all, it all intertwined, but, but, and so after that, I moved to California, decided I want to go to art school and really learn photography. Um, and then missed the mountains too much, came back, decided I wanted to teach little girls to ski safely and cautiously <laughs> for the most part. Um, but beautifully and, and aggressively at the same time, I would imagine. Uh, yes, completely. Pushing the limits a little bit. <laughs> Being smart about the limits, right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, so fear is, is a huge part of, of what we all face, right? I mean, being an yeah. athlete, fear is a big part when you're dropping into the half pipe. I'd imagine there's this, you know, your <laughs> stomach is sort of doing flip flops going, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. And if I'm going to be successful, I have to be committed to it because yeah. if I'm not, that's when things go really badly. Yeah. But then you also have you the- can't half-ass it. <laughs> You can't half-ass it at all, but you also have, you have the art side of things too, right? So the art side of things is you're producing something that you think is beautiful and, and there's a part where you think, okay, well, please love it. Like, please, please love what I've done. Like, please <laughs> exactly. think this is great and, and like yeah. me and, you know, all of this stuff, like, like, give me this assurance that I'm doing okay. <laughs> how do you, how do you face that fear both in the sports side and in the, in the art side? I think a lot of it is you have to learn how to perfect your craft and with skiing that means falling like I've talked about you have to you have to fall and you have to adjust and then with art it's 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 basically putting yourself out there for everyone else to evaluate and and whether they like it or not is is their own perception and and you have to come to terms with that which i definitely in many ways haven't but it is it's, it's each time it's difficult it, it's difficult yeah it's, is it okay that it's difficult each time i mean it's like difficult each time you go into a competition too right to me yeah in some ways that means that it's important right that it's our yeah. flight or flight it's the it's the chemicals in our body and we have to kind of manage it but Sometimes it can be the thing that stops you too, right? I'm never yeah. going to do this again. I'm not putting anything yeah. out there. Yeah, exactly. You learn whether it's like, okay, I did this good enough for myself and I'll leave it at that. Or I did it well enough that everyone else seemed to like it, you know, and I got a good score or my art was appreciated 
I would imagine it's some of what you're teaching these little girls too, right? I mean, the, the difference between sort of outcome expectation type of goals versus, versus like the process and, and, and doing what you think is great and, and being, being content with that, you know, and knowing that that's okay, even if other people don't see it. Is that, is that part of the process that you have to, that you have to go through both personally and in coaching? Yeah, completely. And, and a lot of times too, the great thing with kids is, you know, immediately if, if what you're telling them is hitting home, because they'll tell you, like, I, I've had little girls that are like, I don't like you as a coach. And you're like, really? how? how can they not like you? But then, but then you take it as a challenge. You're like, you know what, I'm going to figure out how to make you love this sport for everything that it does. Like, so not just why don't they like chocolate. you? What, what happened? What, what, what did you do? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think it was, it was more that we had a set kind of schedule. Like we needed to be learning half pipe in the morning, then slope style, and then we could free ski. And a lot of, a lot of them just want to go free ski and bump around the mountain and have fun. But at the same time, it's, you have to, you have to push them to, to train and get better. And, and a lot of times they, they don't like that. <laughs> they like the freedom more. So you're providing a bit of structure, which is important. Slightly. It's still fun. <laughs> well, it, and providing them the, the place where they can create as well. Right. I mean, the, you're giving them the tools yeah to be able to create. It's kind of, you know, the analogy in some ways is, is the art analogy, right? Where, where you have to learn how to, how to do the art. I always think of uh, that Picasso quote where he said, when I was a child, it took me four years to learn to paint like Raphael. But mm -hmm. when I was an adult, it took me a lifetime to learn to paint like a child. Yeah. You know, you have oh, to learn that. the stuff before you can go and create. Yeah. And sometimes you think you just want to start with the creating, like, let's just do the fun stuff. But there's some yeah. work you have to do. Yeah, exactly. You have to As, learn how to let loose. Now, you have you always been an adventurer? Or is this something that you that you that you got from your, your parents or <laughs> or how? I mean, it seems Completely. like you are an adventurer. <laughs> really? OK. How did, yeah. how did that work? It, uh, it all comes from them. They're, I mean, they both, both of my parents grew up in mountain towns and, and so that mountain culture is in my DNA and for them, it's like, it's not how hard can I work? It's how much fun can I have at the end of the day? And, and a lot of that time is like, you have to work hard to have that fun. Right, to be able to afford the, the fun that you yeah. want to have, right? <laughs> yes, completely. <laughs> this seems like a really important message for all of us to learn. So what kind of, what kind of fun do your parents have? Like what, what kind of adventures have you guys been going on? Um, let's see. Recently, we have all invested in new bikes. So there's a lot of, we, they all got gravel bikes. Um, I got a new mountain bike and so, and they, like I said, they're in their, they're in their sixties right now. They're actually in McCall, Idaho, and they're all wake surfing and, and basically 
like I said, they they have they have their work, but it's all at the end of the day so that they can go have fun. What do they do for fun? So gravel gravel riding. I mean, I imagine so there's they're, some kite surfing, both, there's skiing. They're there's... both awesome skiers. They're um, yeah, we we love boating, water skiing, hiking. Um, we have blow up paddle boards, which are not super fun, but <laughs> blow up paddle boards. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said bullet pal- paddle boards at first and I didn't know what that was. But... <laughs> They're super fast. <laughs> it's always a possibility. I'm sure it's out there. So, uh, yeah. so you do that and, and you travel though too, right? I mean, you're, you're in Thailand and Japan and Hawaii and, yeah. and Italy and France and all of these places. Yes. Yeah. And that's along with that is, is their love for travel has totally passed on to me. And, and we do the same things that we do here, but we want to do them in, in other places and see how it is there. Like we've, we've biked down the coast of Portugal and, and we've failed at surfing in Hawaii and Mexico and (laughs) and we've skied in France and, and skied in New Zealand. Um, so it, not, and that's, I guess, also what I love about recreation and about those things is it's common in almost every beautiful place that you can find. And there's maybe different things that you can also try, but, but there's a consistency too. Yeah, no, there definitely is a consistency. And and, and and but it's a little bit different too, right? I mean, you're doing the yeah. same thing, but you're in different place. What what is it that you love about those places? Why I mean, why travel? Why travel to go do the same thing? Like you live in Park City, Utah. It says yeah. on our license plates that we have the greatest snow on earth. Why would you <laughs> want to ski anywhere else? <laughs> well, that's actually interesting because um in January, which it will most likely be the only trip that we really get to go on this year, we went to Japan because we heard that they had the greatest snow on earth and that we've been lying this whole time. And so we we get all the way halfway across the world and there's dirt on the ground. There was like, it was the lowest snow year in 50 years, oh, which no. is scary and right. definitely makes you think a lot about climate change and and we'd seen I mean every ski movie you see is just this amazing powder and endless 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 but we get there and there's nothing like everyone's like well uh yeah we're having a a bit of a bit of a low year and we just couldn't believe it because back home we were getting like feet of snow so we both had to, me and my boyfriend, we both had to just like stop social media, stop paying attention and just pray for snow where we were. Did and you luckily, get to ski? Yes. Luckily it came, but, but, and it, it is, it's just, it's totally different. It's, it's so light and so fluffy. You just, it's not the same skiing. It's, it's a totally different experience. And, and I mean, so are you going to say that it's better that the snow is better there? 
I would say yes. It, it's it's fluffier. It's <laughs> I don't fluffier. want to hurt Utah's <laughs> whole thing. You might get kicked but. out now. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I'm not responsible for this. But we were getting way more here, so way more snow. Exactly. Yeah. And traveling as a photographer. Do you see things differently? Like as an artist, so I, I learned how to draw. Yeah. And and in learning how to draw, I found that things were beautiful that I never would have thought were beautiful. Where, you know, like I'm trying to copy this photo of somebody and all of a sudden I think, wow, like that that ear is amazing. <laughs> like whoever goes around going, oh, you have the Help. most spectacular ears, you know, like nobody <laughs> ever says that. But looking they're, at this, I was like, art. they really are. Like there's it's something. So complicated. Do you get that as a photographer? Do you feel like you see <laughs> the places that you visit differently through the lens of a, of a camera? Oh, completely. And, and the biggest thing of why I like to travel too is that you're you are you're seeing so many new things and and I go snap happy and have to record every single moment and and it drives people who I'm traveling with crazy because there's certain things I can't like get over like oh my gosh look at this old building like it's falling apart and and people will be like yeah why why is that interesting <laughs> Like, it's beautiful. It's nothing I've seen before. I have to record it. Does it change the way that you remember your your trips as well and experience your trips? Yeah, completely. And um, you're able to look back and, and always have those photos. And and it takes you, it, it's like you can travel without being there. You can keep those memories with you. and. And you can turn them into art. You can put them on your wall. And those same same people who traveled with you who are thinking, why are you spending all this time on this old building? Are they the ones who afterwards go, oh, like, thank you so print? much for doing that. <laughs> can you send me a print? <laughs> I want that in my living room. <laughs> like, you said it was ugly. <laughs> exactly. How do you see things? Because it's funny for all of us, right? I think that that we see things and go, oh, like that is so spectacular. But then being able to capture what we think is spectacular on our camera. And now everybody's armed with a camera, right? Everybody has their yeah. phone. So everybody's armed with a camera. But being able to take this thing that I think, like I shot something the other day where it was just kind of funny. I was walking the dog and the clouds kind of came in and across the lake from us, there was this alfalfa field where they're growing hay and, and the clouds opened up over there. So it was like, it was like this little piece of heaven kind of thing where the light came down onto the alfalfa yeah. field. And I'm like, Oh, that's spectacular. Like I need to, I need to <laughs> capture that. I did not do a very good job of capturing that I, <laughs> in my mind. And what I saw in my eye was, was great. But, but yeah. what I was able to capture on my camera was, was not what I thought <laughs> I was seeing. How are you able to do that? How are you able to capture this thing? And go, Wow, that's spectacular. And I can yeah. take my camera out and I can, I, I can share it with everybody yeah so a lot of that is perspective it's you take one and look at it and you think ah that's it looks great but it's it's not something i'm super proud of so then for me i take probably 10 more photos and from different angles and and 
framing it differently and just changing your perspective is the biggest thing is 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 it better from up high is it better from down low is there more contrast is there symmetry um and and you can totally mess with that as the photographer as the artist so you're building a photograph because who is ansel yeah. adams said that being a great photographer is just a matter of of standing in the right place mm -hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. and for him it's like simplifies for, it <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> for him is i know he he would stand in like in all kinds of different places and test the light and it would take him probably months to get exactly what he wanted and that meant like going back and forth several times to get it exactly perfect. And, and that's, that's what it can take sometimes. And figuring out where the, where the exact right place is, but then getting the light to cooperate with you yeah. so that everything works the way that it's supposed to work. And yeah, yeah cause everything, we're also shutter happy right now. We're like, <laughs> exactly. oh, take that, take that, take that. And you take these photos and then, you know, <laughs> And they're and, not as great as you as they are in person because in person it's it's amazing it's wonderful and and to i mean fit that into one little photo is difficult exactly it's, how often do you do that how often do you get the photo that you go oh this is what i was looking for <laughs> well in that so i basically have one one photo of a really beautifully crowded ski run in France that I would put on my wall. And I don't have another photo of, of all the millions of photos that I would like as much as that one or that I would even really put up. And that's a little, cause I'm hard on myself, but, but yeah. And so now I'm like, I see that photo and I want all of my photos to be similar to that one. You want to achieve what you achieve there, but you've got one. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. kind of like being an athlete, right? You get that one trick, like it comes together and you go, yes, that was it. Like I'm coming back for me being a ski racer. It was the same thing with like one turn where you get that feeling and go, yeah. oh, that's it. Like that's that, that moment of perfection yep. that keeps us coming back, right? Yeah. And keeps us studying, exactly. I would imagine. What do you do? How, how are you? how are you working to try to get back to that moment to try to achieve that moment? Again, perspective. It's like, I know, I know in that photograph, a lot of like nothing was set up. It was, I happened to be on the chairlift above it. And at that second I was like, Oh, that looks, that looks really cool. And the sky is like super dark. It's like almost black. Yeah. And, and so I just know it's like, if I tried to make all my photos similar to that, it would, it would be like an Ansel, Ansel Adams moment where I would have to completely perfect it again. Whereas in that moment, it just was by chance. So it's more like, do you try and work at perfecting something or do you let everything kind of just fall into place. 
some of that's a perspective on art too, right? Is, is it that you as the artist are creating something or is it that you as the artist are capturing something that is happening on a higher level and you just happen to have the skills to be able to grab that moment that, that is kind of like over our head and, and something that we don't necessarily even own. What's your perspective on art? Do you, do you feel like you own the art? Do you feel like you're capturing the art? Are you conduit? Are you, where, where do you fit in the whole scheme of things? Um, I go back and forth on, on, oh, I really need to force the shot. I really need to perfect it. But then being like, what I like more is when it's come naturally and when it's, it's developed on its own. And, and I think that's, that's more powerful when it's, when it's naturally happening for you and you just happen to, to capture it at that moment. Yeah. Cause some, some artists talk about feeling like they don't even necessarily own their art. It's not really theirs. It's like it, it, it happened. It's yes, I did it, but it's not really mine. It's almost like it just passed through me and yeah. here it is, get yeah. it in, get it out. And, and, uh, you know, I know some, some painters who, there was one painter that I knew uh, painted with a palette knife because she, because it came to her so quickly and she wanted to get mm -hmm. out of the way of it. And if she painted with a, with a brush, it got so muddled because she couldn't yeah. paint as fast as she wanted to. And in photography, you can completely Photoshop and completely edit a photo to be exactly perfect how you want it. But you can, at least as as an artist, I can see when that's going on. I can see- You know when they've cheated. I can see when they've cheated or they've enhanced it. And, and it doesn't have the same artistry that something natural would have. And, and part of the artistry I think that you're talking about too is the effect, right? The effect that it has on us as a viewer. Is that, is yeah. that what you're aiming for or what are you aiming for as, a, as an artist? For my eye, I, I see what I like and I, can, I know that I have an eye for these things. And so it's training that and then showing people that eye. And everyone's is different. That's the coolest part about it is everyone has a different view and everyone's going to take a different photo and you'll like it just as much. So, and that's where it's so personal. And is that the hard part of like, of, of actually capturing what you see? You know, I mean, it's like you're, you're trying to, you're trying to communicate what you see or, and, and, and share it with other people. Yeah. And, and that I'd imagine that's the challenge. Is that the challenge of it is, is trying to be able to do that? Yeah, totally. And, and have them see and appreciate the beauty as much as you did in taking the picture. Right. So that's your fulfillment, right? Where you're like, okay, I did it because, because I'm able to, because they get it. Kind of. Kind A of. lot of it still is, I know I have that artistic eye and and I think it's beautiful. And so whether or not you think it's beautiful, it is it's slightly important to me, but it's not all that's important because it's it's a personal photograph. Right. 
And when you appreciate it, that's the most important part. If I'm proud and I appreciate it, then, then whether you like it or not is up to you. Right. I mean, it's probably better if I like it, but, but it doesn't, (laughs) doesn't ruin your day if I don't. It helps my wallet if you like it. (laughs) Fair enough. Talking about the adventure, talking about the art and talking about fear in some ways, we've talked about that and it's funny because our, the, the name of our podcast, the name of our TV show is living it. And what, what does that mean to you? What, what does living it mean to you? Living it for me is a lot like my parents' philosophy in at the end of the day, how can you have the most fun and how can you scare yourself? (laughs) Sounds like a good way to go. Did you always embrace your parents' philosophy or was there a time when you were like, look, you guys just, aren't nearly as cool as you think you are. <laughs> I happen I to think your think parents are very sometimes. cool. <laughs> What's funny is I love photos. So I always look back at their old photos and I'm like, wow, you really wore short neon shorts, dad. Like <laughs> while you were hiking. <laughs> like, did you choose those for yourself? <laughs> This is the problem with documenting everything is that it's, it's there in black and white or full, full style will not leave the photo. (laughs) I'd imagine your dad's okay with that though. Yeah, he, he, he he looked good. So you bobsledded with us. What made you say yes? When I asked you if you wanted to come bobsled. Um, let's see who, because you drove a bobsled. I drove a bobsled. I never, ever, ever thought that would be something that I did. But what's interesting is I actually, that's where I coached. I coached skiing up at the Olympic Park. And so basically my whole life I've seen that track and thought those people are insane for wanting to shoot down that on a metal sled. Um, (laughs) So I guess... I guess it was curiosity and I also thought if they're pulling two people and yourself three people to randomly do this without any knowledge then it must be okay. (laughs) They're not sending us skydiving for the first time by ourselves. Did you question that? Because you were, you, you were skiing in the half pipe. People don't take you your first day and say, okay, why don't we put you into this half pipe with 22 foot walls and you'll just drop in 22 feet. I mean, it's in a lot of ways, bobsledding felt like that kind of equivalent of, okay, yeah, you figured out how to, how to stand upright on your skis. We're going to bring you here and then you're going to do this and, and throw some flips in while you're there. I mean, did it feel like that? It kind of felt like that to me. Yeah. The difference is that, like I said, I've been skiing since I was two, so I I had a little bit more background on how to do that, whereas bobsled, I'm like, okay, I've gone sledding before, uh, and I've been in a half pipe, which is kind of similar, but not at all. (laughs) I have complete control, whereas in a bobsled, I have some control, but I have no idea how to use it. Yeah. Yeah, did you wonder whether these people were being responsible? You? You me? Yeah, exactly me. Me. I didn't know anything. I didn't know any more than you did. 
True. No, I, I did I did question it. Because <laughs> I, I thought like we're gonna have a professional with us. Like there'll be someone who actually knows what they're doing on the sled with us. It's not there's no way they would just send us by ourselves. But no, you did send us with a complete like no one who's ever ever done it before so it was two well, we did have a professional slide. who taught us how to do it though who talked yes. us through it and we walked the course <laughs> and we did that stuff but i so, still didn't I feel being, prepared oh no i was i was and and he he was so awesome and calm that at moments i was like i was like okay like he can be completely calm and collected about this. I know he's he's done this. He's he's been a motorcycle racer. He knows what a track is like, but but at the same time I'm like this seems insane. This I mean, I'm trying to memorize everything that he's telling me, but I know as soon as our our bobsleds hit the ground, we're going to forget and that's exactly what happened. It goes right outside your head. Oh yeah. So it's like you want to get into this turn quickly and then yeah. get parallel and this turn you need to make sure that you get off early so that you can get flat yeah. on the track and and like pull it back when you're going to go up onto this wall to make sure you're straight and and it's tiny. It's tiny little movements back and forth with your hands and that's it. Which seems insane cuz you're on these just massive walls that all you're doing is making a tiny like half an inch movement with your hands and and somehow that's going to help you get down the mountain <laughs> and like an 800 700 800 pound sled yeah which which when he said like oh yeah i've had it flip i was like oh my gosh like and and several that could times be me. Yeah. several times i was like okay like what am i going to do if it flips i'm like I'm going to try and get my head as deep inside of it as I can and hold on. And, and he said, he's like, you, you, when you flip, you end up on your head for the rest of the entire track. You're like, you're <laughs> like, hold on. This got me in bad shape when I was, when I was doing the half pipe. I don't think, yeah. why, why am I, why am I going back to this? And this was our, our, expert was a guy named Aaron Landingham who who is yeah. in a wheelchair who who teaches motorcycle racing who has been a bobsled competitor and he talked us through this whole through what we were supposed to do and and yeah I think the hardest part was you you're trying to keep everything in your head like yeah. I can't forget that I can't I'm gonna be in big trouble if Without I forget landing that. on your head <laughs> well you also you saw the people in the Olympics like these are the oh, people yeah. at the top and there are people yeah. who crash there and you think, okay, you've been practicing for a <laughs> long time. You've been training. Yeah. This is my first time. So if you end up upside down, I probably should end up upside down and I don't want to do that. Exactly. And I, and I know from skiing that that is more likely than not that you're going to land upside down, especially when you're first trying to learn something, it's almost inevitable. Well, you were talking about it. You said the falling is a big part of learning. This is part of what you're teaching these little girls is the falling part, right? <laughs> yeah, but in bobsledding, I was okay with not falling. <laughs> in skiing, you don't have a giant metal can around you. <laughs> 
what did what did it feel like when you made it to the bottom? Because you took two runs. What did it feel like when you made it to the bottom that first time? Well, after the first time, I was relieved because I thought it was over. <laughs> and then you said we had to go a second time. <laughs> so I was I was very relieved the first time, and then was like, okay, here we go again. Uh, and basically, it's funny because. Jack, who was my partner on the second round, he was, he was like, you kept talking to yourself. I was like, I know. I was screaming. <laughs> I was like yelling at myself at every turn. I was like, oh my gosh, like, hold tight, let go. <laughs> Which I, I mean, I'm sure I probably did that in half pipe also, but, but yeah, it was very relieving to not be on top of my head at the bottom of the track. Right, exactly. And you came down and I don't know if you had the same experience, but we came down and there was a big turn and then you kind of came to a flat and then you went uphill going to the going to the finish and there was still one more turn. And yep. I remember kind of taking that that turn and going down to the flat and thinking, oh, okay, like I'm all right. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like oh, there's one more. pay attention. There's one more turn. You can still <laughs> screw this up. Yep, completely. No, I think that's exactly. And, and you do, you like, you kind of like loosen your grip a little like and and then you're like oh oh my gosh there's still one more finish line curve until you're you can really relax but but no it was it was powerful Whew. are you really glad powerful. that you did it oh completely because i can brag about it but <laughs> but you're not going back is that what i'm hearing um I would go back maybe if Aaron was driving I would be the second man you'd be the second man okay that is interesting that is really interesting I felt like and I don't know if you had this experience but we did two runs and the first run I was so relieved to make it to the bottom just yep. okay this is good and, and and I was relatively good on the first run and then on the second run <laughs> I started it. I started getting confused where you're trying where to overthink it. I was overthinking it. You know, it's almost like it, it's like almost anything that you do where, where you're thinking exactly. at first, like survival, like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm in survival mode, do it right. Or you're going yeah. to die. Yep. And then the second run was like, okay, I think I kind of figured this out a little bit. And instead of making the turn, I was actually like steering into the turn like I was going higher on the which is exactly what you don't want to do and then yeah. in my head I'm going okay which way am I going I'm going backwards I'm going hold on hold on like just do it right just like keep it simple did you have that experience as well or oh, or was it just completely. me yeah no completely because there there were there's so many instructions like okay on on turn six you want your hands here on turn seven you want your hands here and the transitions you want your hands here and and basically, like, once my brain went past, like, the first three, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to be following those instructions. And I completely forgot about them. I, I, I've just been sitting here, basically, hoping that whatever I'm doing doesn't mess things up. And, and so, yeah, the first time, I, I just kind of let it go, let it do its thing. And like you said, the second time, I was like, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to beat everyone. I'm going to be the fastest down. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and remember all of these little instructions. And I did, I, that's 
basically halfway through the second one is when I thought, okay, we're flipping and was probably screaming at myself. <laughs> and Jack's probably petrified in the back. Jack oh, was, was... The, was the other driver who came with us. Yeah. <laughs> I think I scared him more than myself. <laughs> were you sore the next day? I, I was, I, I, and I, a lot of it was like just in my hands. Cause I think I was, I just had such a like death grip on those handles, but, um, but otherwise I, I, like, I remember my head bobbing a little, um, but it was your, your, your whole entire body is just tense because you're, like you said, you're in kind of survival mode. <laughs> It was funny because the the brakemen were talking about how how bumpy a ride it was, how difficult and jarring a ride really? it was, and I thought, yeah, really, huh? It didn't seem that bad to uh -huh. me. And I think that part of it was, part of it was, it's kind of like the difference of being in the front of the school bus versus being the back of the school bus, where it would bounce yeah. more or whatever. But the other part, and it was just it was a two man bobsled. But I think part of it was the adrenaline too. Because then the next day I was, my back was sore and those kinds yeah. of things. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't feel that at all yesterday, <laughs> but, but now I definitely feel sore. And yeah. Does it make you want to do another adventure like that? Does it, does it increase your bucket list? Uh, it definitely does. Just, just in that you really can, you can, you can be pulled off the street and somehow make it down a bobsled track or or anything as long as you have some good coaching behind it and and somewhat of a belief that you'll be okay at the bottom you, you do have to stay committed to this whole thing I mean that's yeah. when they pushed you off it's like okay you're you're in like it's this not is, like you can it's not like you can pull the brakes and like head back up no, like no, you, this is sink or swim. Is this is, yeah, all the, all the cliches you want to throw out there. Like you're, exactly. you're in, you're locked in. Like you are the only one who is going to make sure that you make it to the finish. Do you have a yeah. list of anything else? Do you have any ideas of what you want to try next? Hmm. I, I'd say like paragliding and, and, and skydive. I've skydived once. But, but I think I'm more of a, of a ground person. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good with, with flight, I guess. Flight or heights. Are you good with heights or? I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with heights. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think. Paragliding. I think paragliding would be up there. So paragliding, which is effectively, it's like a canopy, like a, like a parachute, but where you're, you're able to control it and, and steer yeah. and go and stay up there. It's kind of like being a bird in some ways. Right. Yeah. And you can do it on skis. You could ski to it. Right. Yeah. That would be cool. That like where you could amazing. ski off of the cliff and, and suddenly <laughs> you're paragliding, which seems like you really want to know what you're doing paragliding. Yep. If you're going to ski off a cliff, do you have bragging <laughs> yeah. rights with your, with your friends now having, having driven a bobsled? Oh yeah, completely. Have you used hey, like, that? Cool. Cause from my apartment, you can see the track and you can see the ski jumps. And so I can just be like, Hey, so you see that track, the one that goes 
all the way down the mountain. Like I've done that. <laughs> you don't and call it your bobsled now? Do you see my bobsled track? <laughs> Mine, Blake's bobsled track. <laughs> it's no longer Salt Lake 2002 Olympics. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome. What about well, you? Uh, do do I? Well, yeah. What's I, your next adventure? What's my next adventure? That is a good question. It's, you know, it's, it's funny because, because they come in different ways. Right. And, yeah. and I've been, I've been living here on a lake and I have not been in the lake Ooh, that I'm living on. I've like dreamed. I ride my bike around it and now people have been in it for like a month. I don't know what's going on. It seemed like it oh. snowed one day and people were in the water <laughs> the next day. And I, I thought that doesn't seem good. That I doesn't seem, why are up. you doing that? That's cold. I hate cold water. But, but actually what I was thinking about this morning is, is just, is just kayaking is go. getting out on the lake and doing, yeah. and doing some kayaking, which, which for me being a paraplegic is so like my balance is, is relatively decent, but I don't have a lot of core strength. So I don't yeah. have the stomach and the back muscles and I've done some kayaking. So I've got to get it set mm -hmm. up right. I've done it. I've tried it a couple of times. I don't want to say I've done it, but one time I did it in Hawaii and, and and got on it and thought okay well we'll kayak and i just i flipped over backwards like just just completely oh. it was one of those what are you? upright ones so i think i just need a little bit more of a seat yeah so that i can lean back into it and and have just a little bit more support but also want to know that if i go over that i can get out of it yeah well and what's funny i almost i almost i almost took a kayaking class in college where you do it in the pool and you do you learn to go upside down and then with your paddle get yourself roll, back yeah. up right which just seems like that's very difficult to learn because you're not breathing <laughs> like you're underwater it's like what <laughs> that's a hard learning curve <laughs> it's a hard learning curve but a, but a great thing to learn because oh yeah because you, you can <laughs> keep breathing if you if you go over. <laughs> so yeah, the kayaking I think is is, is the next next adventure. I was actually thinking about that like this that. morning and trying to figure out what what is the next adventure. And that to me is the cool part is that, and it sounds like you are right there. The adventure never stops. It's no. just what is going to be the next one? Where are we going to do it? Or how can I do this well enough that then I can go to this super cool place? <laughs> and be able to enjoy it. And that's where yeah. kayaking in some ways is a gateway for me because I, I know some people who surf that way, who surf yeah. like on top of, of, of kind of, I mean, it's like a surfboard but with a kayak paddle yeah. and some paras who, who do this and, and it's super cool. So then you can go and surf and then you can go and enjoy your vacation. Yeah. That much more, Ooh. right. You're not just sitting on the beach drinking umbrella drinks. <laughs> nothing wrong have with you that. ever done that uh the, the surfing on the yeah. on the kayak i haven't no no i haven't done it oh, so that's cool. that's on the that's on the list and it's part of it's part for me of why i've done the show you know why i've started yeah. this show is like okay that's <laughs> something i want to do this is something i want to do like let's let's figure out how to do it and 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 be able to share it with people and share this the mentality that that your parents have have passed down to you of like, let's find a way to play and have fun. Is is that the driving force for you in your life? Is this idea of like, 
how can how can I play and enjoy my playing more? Yep, exactly. How do you, how do you reconcile that with your profession and your career? How do you how do you find that balance? Um, it's a big challenge. It is, but I think a lot of what I love to photograph are those things: is skiing and adventuring and traveling and and. I mean, I've rarely ever taken a photo inside of a building. It's it's almost always outside. When I'm when I'm doing those adventures, and so they go hand in hand. Yeah, no, that sounds like that's that's something that I think that we all that we all need to learn, because it's it's so easy to you know to like to like work to have an adventure. But if we can find a way to make our adventure work, to double dip, <laughs> then then it's like, oh, okay. Then then you're just having fun all the time. Yeah. And granted, there are difficult parts of it. But I think that it yeah. seems like you've you've at a young age, right? Twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, you figured yeah. out you figured out some pretty essential stuff <laughs> in your in your yeah. life. I mean, granted, I think your parents have been have been helpful in this. We've got to give yeah. them some credit, don't we? Yes, we do. And friends. And friends, exactly. So I'm glad that you said yes to our adventure of I'm I'm glad too now that it's over and I'm okay. <laughs> what no, did we have was beforehand? Was it a couple of weeks or so or or was it a month or so before when when we'd confirmed that you were going to do it between then and when we actually did it? No, I think Remember? it was a week. Was it a week? Was it that little time? So. Well, in some ways, that's good then. That's better. That's yeah. like yeah, less time I to be nervous. Have, didn't have a lot of time to think about what could happen. <laughs> Were you really nervous that week? I was, I was definitely nervous. I actually wasn't nervous until I got up there and really saw it. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, I've, I've done this before. Everything will be fine. Like, I've done scary things. But that was definitely up, probably on top of the list. <laughs> so we also we rode in the bobsled. Mm-hmm. Did that did that make it scarier or less scary when you knew that you were riding in the bobsled and then you were going to have to to drive it? Uh, like when they were showing us how to drive it. Well, they showed us how to drive it, but then remember we went up before we started driving. One of the guys yeah. from, the, yeah, yeah, we got a feel for it. I mean, drove us, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely when my nerves peaked. When I I was I was like, okay, he's doing it well, but he's done it. He knows what he's doing. I have no idea. <laughs> uh. Uh, well, you did it super well. You were you, you were did it great. super well. Oh, I don't know. And I you, you, you the... didn't seem you didn't seem very nervous at I all. I couldn't seem nervous because I had brought you people to do this. <laughs> and so really I was mean... responsible for you guys. I felt like I had to go first because <laughs> yep. if I failed miserably, you guys could say, Okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing it. And so, so there was a ton of responsibility and I felt like, okay, I have to be good. I have to be successful. These guys are on me to, to show them and, and, 
and and I've I've introduced them and I've I've introduced them to a scary situation and and so yeah so I felt a ton of responsibility and I couldn't look nervous because if I looked nervous then that would make you more nervous so I had to I had to play it cool and and I I'm glad it worked because I was super nervous I was like you guys are crazy you guys are absolutely crazy I am not qualified to do this what are you doing driving me up to the top of this bobsled and pushing me to get started and yeah th this has got to be illegal on so many different levels <laughs> and it worked out great and they knew what they were doing and yeah. we apparently knew more about what we were doing but no it was awesome and I'm so glad that you came and, and that we were able to share that adventure and that fear me too me too <laughs> it was awesome because there's something in that, isn't it? That that like, it's, okay, it's I'm addiction. so afraid. Yeah. yeah. It and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid. And then I did it. And it's like, okay. So when I'm afraid the next time, I'm going to remember that this one worked out okay. And, and I can't be stopped by my fear. So thank you so much for doing that, for joining us, for having fun, for taking a bunch of photos when we were there and for joining me on this podcast, which probably is, is scarier than driving a bobsled. <laughs> yeah, that and being in front of the camera. But no, thank, thank you so much, Chris. And Aaron was so awesome. I, I, loved, I loved all of his coaching and, and his stance on everything. It just was so, I got way more calm from, from seeing him and how he went about things. And and then Jack and I were just like, holy shucks. <laughs> so we could be nervous together. <laughs> I, I, I thought we were done because Aaron was, Aaron was definitely, he was helpful in, in easing our fear. And then we went out afterwards. Yeah. And, and he said, <laughs> what did he say? He was like, said it was basically like, I was freaked out. And we're all like, what? <laughs> you were scared? Well, he so, was scared, but he expected us. he expected us to crash too. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I'm surprised nobody crashed, and we're like, really? No, like we didn't think that it's was so really like on casually. the table. <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh, what? <laughs> like, I needed to worry about that. I'm glad he didn't say that before. I am glad he didn't say that before too, and I'm glad that it worked out for everybody, and I'm glad that you had fun, and and for me, I'm also glad that that I gained a couple of friends in doing this and you and I mean I've known your Me parents too. but I don't think that you and I had really known each other prior to this so so yeah. it's really yeah. that's the fun part for me we are we are bonded in bobsledding now exactly we'll have to go find another adventure so we'll find a way to go do this <laughs> and thank you for just being spectacular and keep thank you, going Chris. out there and taking photographs and going on great adventures into great places <laughs> and and uh, we will do it again Thanks, Blake. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care.